This episode of Discologist, we're celebrating 25 years of Pink Floyd's swan song, The Division Bell. No matter what side of the Gilmore Waters divide you find yourself on, The Division Bell's return to form for the band has divided fans of the band for decades. So we're here to set the record straight on why this album stands alongside some of the band's best work, no matter who was at the helm. Tune in and get ready to dig deep into Pink Floyd's misunderstood classic, The Division Bell. Five, four, three. It was merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I just don't like music, alright? Welcome back to another edition of Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, coming to you live-ish from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, as you know, we're going to be talking about Pink Floyd's Division Bell today. This is an album that uh, that means a lot to me. Maybe it means a lot to you. Maybe you hate it. Maybe you love it. I don't know. Uh, but it is, to my mind, one of those albums that is uh, divisive and uh, and maybe improperly or unjustifiably maligned. You know, I got into Pink Floyd late, uh, and it opened the door to every single other piece of good music, uh, especially psychedelic music that I can think of. Uh, so, uh, if you ask me about their late '80s and uh, and '90s output, I'm going to say hell yes. I think I assemble a little crew to talk about this that also feels the same way. Paul is going to join us from Portland, and uh, Drew is going to join us from Washington D.C. And uh, and we love to talk about Pink Floyd, and so that's what we're going to do right now. To get you into that, I want to play uh, one of the singles off of this. I believe it was a single, but it was the jam. It was the the big centerpiece of the live show in the 94-95 tour off of the Division Bell. Uh, it is uh, What Do You Want From Me? And uh, if you're listening to this and can't admit to yourself that this sounds a hell of a lot like the classic Pink Floyd you know and love, then uh, I guess go ahead and just stop it do something else with the next hour. Otherwise, uh, you're in for a good time. So here we go. Uh, what do you want from me off of Pink Floyd's The Division Bell?
that is a little bit of What Do You Want From Me from 1994's Pink Floyd album, The Division Bell. This is a uh, it's a divisive album, I think we'd say, gentlemen. I, uh, you know, it's 25 years old now, and it is, to my mind, been a somewhat maligned album, and I, and I hope to remedy that today. Joining us are Drew, you know him, uh, Paul in Portland, and uh, guys, we got a lot to talk about here, man. So, so how do we even start to talk about this this album that was at the end of Pink Floyd's career, uh, as we know it? There was the the Endless River, but this was really, you know, Drew, you're right out of our G chest. This is really the, the last Pink Floyd album, and you know, it, it didn't. Uh, the tour got a great reception. That's where I saw them uh, the last time. But the album itself, I think people were like, "The fuck." Yeah, I mean, I, you know. I, I liked this album more than uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason because it felt more like a, a Floyd album. I, I don't, I, I don't know if that's that was intentional on their part or they market it that way. I, I do recall, you know, Division Bell being this kind of return to the classic Floyd sound, um, and I, I think they they largely accomplished that just from you know an oral aspect. Um, there, there's a lot of you know nods to the wall and 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 certainly a lot of wish you were here on this album and that was something that was definitely missing on on momentary lapse which i think was sort of started as a, a david gilmore solo album and then kind of 11th hour they said hey let's make this a a pink floyd album and brought you know nick mason and rick right in um this album the division bell you can definitely it sounds like nick mason playing the drums which it didn't yeah. on you're yeah, a drummer. didn't on uh, yeah, Momentary and Lapse, um, and you could definitely hear a lot of Rick Wright on this album as well. So it, it felt more collaborative. It's obviously missing, mm -hmm. you know, Roger Waters. And, and right, we'll, right, right, right. Oh, that's just a minor thing. Slight, <laughs> slight minor fact. Well, is is it a minor thing, though? I, I you know, my, my view of Pink Floyd has, has altered over the years is that uh, – you know, Momentary Lapse of Reason is a weird album, and I think we're going to get into why that's weird and why this is this is certainly the better album, but it's a very different animal. But, you know, I came to Pink Floyd at Momentary Lapse of Reason and more specifically Delicate Sound of Thunder. So, you know, this is prime, like, late 80s Floyd. This is mid-90s Floyd right here that we're talking about. Uh, to your point, Drew, there's a very good reason it sounded more like Floyd is because they had, you know, they have caches of their old instruments all over like london and they went to one of them and pulled out the old equipment like that that's that's literally it you know besides having the personnel right there they just went and were like hey here's this old mellotron here's this old old farfisa let's pull it out and let's make it sound like floyd and the difference is pretty noticeable i think it, it's totally noticeable uh, you know the thing about momentary lapse to me it sounds kind of like that classic thing that happened to bands or artists from the 60s and 70s once they got into the 80s they kind of like adopted that uh 80s sound gated drums and and all that and that's you know all over momentary lapse it just doesn't you know momentary lapse doesn't sound to me like a floyd album other than david gilmore's voice and, and his guitar and here they they definitely ditched that 80s production um and really kind of embraced sort of a wish you were here animals vibe clearly with a lot of the same gear it, it you can hear that clearly 
and and to me that was super exciting at the time. Um, you know, I came to Floyd pre-momentary lapse, maybe a year or two, dove into like every single album, devoured it. But that whole time, I kind of considered them a, a dead band that they were they were done. They were in history. Yeah, and, yeah, and no, the momentary right. lapse announcement like was you know christmas and new year's and everything all rolled up in one with me i couldn't believe it and and you know most importantly it was the opportunity to see them live and i think with like division bell when they announced that you know they had already done the post waters thing so it wasn't that groundbreaking but i think you know floyd fandom just was excited more than anything just to get another tour cycle you know another opportunity to see them live yeah yeah well, it was another generation, too, because I remember Delicate Sound of Thunder. The tour was for, uh, you know, uh, if you hadn't jumped on, it was for older fans that just wanted to see Gilmore, right? And uh, I certainly didn't see that tour, but I, I certainly wore out my VHS copy of Delicate Sound of Thunder. Uh, and uh, so, when it, yeah, you're right. When this tour came along, when this album came along, it was... It was time to party. It was time to get out and see something like that you you couldn't see and was probably going to be the last time you can see. Paul, you didn't see this tour, did you? Oh, well, I didn't. And I was going to say, I, I think I came into, uh, I come at Division Bell from a little bit of a different angle because I was 14 when Division Bell came out, which is kind of a prime age for getting into Floyd. So to me, Division Bell was all mat mashed up with uh, all of the other Floyd albums. when. I first started listening to them, you know, you hear what you hear on classic rock radio and then you start digging into the wall and, uh, and, and, and dark side of the moon and things like that. But, you know, these were, this album was on the same shelf in, uh, at the warehouse or at Sam Goody. And, uh, so when you see, when, when I was looking for used albums, I think I may have picked this up before I picked up any other full Floyd album, though I'd heard the other ones, uh, from friends. So it wasn't until a couple of years later that I even started discerning a difference between eras. So I would say division bell occupies pretty much the same space in my mind as uh, what I would consider any other major Floyd album. Wow. And that, that's wild because you're not that much younger than me. No, but it's, like, it's, it's you know yeah. how it is. It's when things yeah. come out at certain uh, key moments in your life. And, you know, freshman year in high school is, is a pretty big one for music kind of solidifying in your mind. And so having this come out towards the end of freshman year, I think, uh, really made, you know, it, it had a big impact on how I processed the rest of the Floyd catalog. It, I want to, I want to play a little track right now to get into uh, a little side of this that, that is honestly fantastic. Uh, and I think this is one of the best Floyd songs they've ever done. Uh, leans heavy on the wish you were here uh, side though. There is a song later called lost for words. that is definitely leaning heavier, but pulls apart is is this song that is uh to your point drew it it is the classic sound of floyd but there's something else going on here and it, it melds the two kind of perfectly so here's a little bit of pulls apart it's a seven minute song so we're not gonna get into that let's have a little song.
multi-generational song right for floyd it's hitting all it's hitting all the right notes man yeah i think that song on this album more than any other like like hits all of the different kind of 70s floyd buttons um you know there's there's the animals kind of voice echo happening there Mm -hmm. uh it's it's got it's got kind of a a a wish you were here vibe to it it's it's even got some animals kind of uh good blood goodbye blue sky type vibe to it um and, and you know this this was the one where i was like yeah floyd is back i remember listening to that song and i was like this is the sound that i've been hoping to hear ever since momentary lapse kind of let me down a little bit on that front yeah i feel like i feel like this song and high hopes are the two that even people who want to hate on the album are like okay fine but they got those two songs we're, we're and we're getting high hopes uh eventually but but you know, it's it's funny. So in comparison to, to um, Momentary Lapse of Reason, it it is uh, a very weird album. I I, I want to say I feel like Gilmore's playing on that is much better on Momentary Lapse of Reason. Here it's more subtle. It's more in the background, like a Floyd collaboration. But that's a very '80s thing, right? Everything was like compressed. Everything was compact. So these these songs had to have all this like this pressure put on them. Whereas here, that's seven minutes long song it can stretch out and create these things that uh these sort of vistas that they weirdly did in their youth but at this point they're older man and they're looking back the, the, well, but, but also when you're when you're comping the two and you guys i'm sure know a lot more of the background than i do on this mm-hmm. but uh isn't it also partially that momentary lapse was supposed to be a Gilmore solo album and they kind yeah, of grafted yeah, like a pink floyd remix onto the back of it and division bell was more of a no 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 we want an actual Pink Floyd album minus Roger Waters because he won't do it. Right. But to that, to that end though, like how much, like where is the line between Waters and Gilmore and how, and I think this is a question that people have yet to answer and doesn't need to be answered in my opinion, but like, you know, is, is Pink Floyd or was Pink Floyd David Gilmore with Roger Waters hanging out or was it Roger Waters with Gilmore hanging out or was it them uh, chasing down the ghost of Sid Barrett? Uh, you know, I, I think the best of, of Pink Floyd is that, that mix of, of Waters and, and Gilmore. Yeah. Um, you know, we can we can sort of hear what you know potentially a uh, a, a Waters led Pink Floyd without David Gilmore might sound like in some of Roger Waters, um, you know, solo albums. Well, in in the final cut too, and, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that later on this year. Well, you know, the one thing I'll say about the final cut is, you know, Gilmore's known for really hating on that mm-hmm. album, but he didn't phone it in. Nope. And you know, he's he still delivered some some you know an epic production and some some epic parcels. I mean, we're talking about you know probably the greatest rock 
guitar solo composition artist, you yeah. know, composer in history. For sure. Um, and you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't slack off on, on final cut, even though he hated it. And you can see what happened to Roger Waters when he didn't have, you know, Gilmore by his side. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have some interesting ideas and, and some, some pretty poor. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to think and maybe it's overly simplistic. Like, first of all, I prefer, uh, Floyd without Waters to Waters without Floyd for sure, um, but I think you know just to, to generalize a bit. Without Waters, you know, you lose some of the lyricism, you lose some of the higher concept stuff, and they lean more into the you know the more atmospheric, uh, uh, proggy aspects of it. And I think that's fine because that's a lot of you know at least for me that's a lot of what I liked about Floyd. Um, and they kept those core elements of it. I think Waters, when he is allowed to go off on his own, uh, kind of, well, the nice way to say it would be gets up in his own head too much. So there's another body part you could probably use if you wanted to be rude. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what, you know, I, I've always or have come to think of it like this is that Waters is more of a writer who accidentally uh, had a music career. And and so he feel he's a romantic and he feels all these these deep emotions and acts on them. And, and look, it, Roger Waters has been achieving like great good in the world uh, with his work. And um, whereas Gilmore is like you said, he's a master composition uh, shaper. He his solos are are and should be studied. His tone, everything about like he took the instrument, the guitar, and turned just the entire concept of it into an art form, along with a, a handful of other people. And that's something like. Is there another guitarist out there that's that's delivered more solos that people just know on the back of their hand? You know, air guitar, the comfortably numb, no. and, and just countless no. others where you just you inherently know where that solo is going from beginning to end. And he's done that so many times. He's not shredding. Yeah. No. And, and I think it's equatable to somebody like Jerry Garcia. Like it's the tone. Garcia didn't deliver memorable solos per se in the same way. Um, it's, uh, you know, to that end, you know, they worked with Michael Kamen on this again, uh, who came, I think, with the wall to define what a lot of a generation of people thought of as the Pink Floyd sound, that orchestral sound that in Kamen definitely has certain any composer has certain like modes that they use and they all show up on here where they did not show up on momentary lapse of reason. And, and that's also a big return to the Floyd sound because waters was the one who brought Cayman in and said, Hey, I'm doing this thing called the wall and Cayman shows up also on the final cut. Uh, he's absent for now, um, but all of a sudden he's back and it's like, wow, like this feels like home. Um, I feel like, we need to play another song to sort of start convincing people that this is actually a great Floyd album. What, what do you guys want to go to right now? I mean, you know, the, I, 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 I recall the, the big single is talking. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to that. The album's all about communication folks, uh, which is important in 2019 as it was in 1994, but here's a little bit of keep talking. For millions of years, Mankind lived just like the animals. And something happened which unleashed the power of our imagination. We learned to talk. There's a silence in the 
So how are people hating on that? Like, I just don't understand how you can say that you're a Floyd fan and then hear that song and say, nope, that's not Pink Floyd. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's audio time travel. It is. It is. And it's fun. It's, it's nostalgia. And there, I saw a review in Rolling Stone written at the time was like sort of like the cost of nostalgia. But look, we've talked about this a lot. Nostalgia is important. Like we hold certain things dear. We like music because there's stuff that are our favorites, right? Like, like Drew, you love Ween. Like, and yes, I don't hold do. that against you too much. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Kevin loves three eleven. I don't know why, but he just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you know, we you know we have all these things built into our experience that are outside of whether or not music is good or not. But I think in the case of Pink Floyd, what you're talking about is a band that like proved themselves over and over and over and over. And then like, why wouldn't you just want a little more of that? Yeah. I think you can chalk some of the, the hate on this album up to, uh, you know, just that classic cliche of, you know, I like their old stuff, but their yeah. new stuff is garbage. Um, and there's obviously the, the, you know, the waters thing, you know, yeah. Pink Floyd was better with waters and, and now they're a little thin, um, without them. <clears throat> um, but I think, you know, as that song shows, you know, there are definitely, there's a couple songs and a lot of musical moments on this album that, that hold up really, really well against, uh, you know, some of the best that, that Floyd put out in their seventies heyday. Yeah. And I yeah. think, yeah. I, I think part of it is just the. I think you hit the nail on the head with, uh, you know, the, the exhaustion and their old stuff was better, but it's just this, this kind of uh great man principle applied to bands like, Oh, well, if the, if the lead singer left, the lead singer was the band. If the person who's being equated right, as like right. the creative force left, they're the band. But when you're talking about a band that has such amazingly talented musicians who've been playing together for so long and whose music is, you know, it, it's proggy. It's space rock. This isn't a guy with a with with an acoustic guitar singing over it right here. You still got most of the band together, and they still work really well together. And Gilmore and the others are no slouch as far as uh, as lyricism. They don't have the high concept I think that Waters had there, but it's not like they uh, they just gave up and started noodling. 
Well, actually, to be clear, that's not Gilmore. Yeah, well, that's not Gilmore doing doing the lyrics right now. Uh, that was his uh, fiance at the time, uh, who was who was doing it. Polly Sampson, she's his wife now, and she was responsible for the lyrics on the Endless River. I think if if when we reviewed it, uh, we looked back way back in episode ninety one, Paul. Oh, jeez, what was that last week? Yeah, um, but uh, but you know the dings that we had were the lyrics that that sort of didn't work for that and and on this you know you have in 1994 like a great day for freedom the berlin wall was obviously part of that um take it back the first i mean that's that's an early song about the ecology and about global warming and climate change like you know maybe so you had these sort of awkward things shoved into this pink floyd thing but i don't know that it was different than anything pink floyd ever did uh the difference is is that if you're talking about waters it's all internal. It's all in waters, like inside his head, and it's generally all about World War II and the death of his father. Uh, if we're, if we're being honest, well, we and, also had perhaps the first uh, 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 covert online viral marketing campaign with this uh, with this album. So, oh, did we with the Publius Enigma? Oh, I, I don't know about this. Tell me. Oh yeah, it was like uh, I mean, th- this is a rabbit hole to drop down, but okay. I-, I think it was one of the old Usenet groups. Um, somebody named Publius started popping up and saying that there were, you know, there were there was like a worldwide scavenger hunt to find a special prize that was associated <laughs> somehow yeah. with the tour and the album, and then all these like things started showing up at the concert where it would flash Enigma or Publius and different clues were dropped and everybody was going around the world to try to figure it out. And basically the band and the record company never really confirmed or denied that it was them or that it existed <laughs> and nobody ever actually won. So people are still theorizing about what it meant or if it was real or what. Uh, I mean, man, I don't even remember like that a- at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to yeah, you want to dry, drop way down a rabbit hole? Look up Publius Enigma tonight. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe I won't do that, but uh, <laughs> but 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 if you're listening to this, you can you can you can definitely get into that. But yeah, uh, you know, my point is is that they, um, you know, they even if if Samson is the one speaking in here, um, they still had a lot to say, and a lot of it is said through Gilmore's guitar. They're my overall view of their career, if 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 we want to consider this the end, the last Floyd album, um, what I'm stunned by is, uh, first of all, how British they are. On the song "Lost for Words," there there's this segment at the end where Gilmore reaches out to Martin Waters, right? Can you see? Yeah. 
And Roger Waters, is, it, the character in the song, is just basically like, yeah, it tells me to go fuck myself. And he's like, eh, can't win. It's just like, whatever. Um, you know, uh, indicating that he's trying to make reconciliation. But also that Sid Barrett is still present in this, that there's that there was this great scar put on this band, the, the, the people in this band, by what happened to Sid Barrett. And it just, it, it saturates like all of their music, I think. And when you can get to this finality, you, you see, uh, at, you know, every song, there's just a little turn about madness or, or something in there. And that's a reference to Sid. And, and I actually think that's kind of sweet. I mean, they've got entire albums devoted to Sid Barrett. Well, that's, and that's my point. They have entire albums, but that's what, that's how deep it runs. Is that is that they have entire albums already? So you'd think that like they could stop talking about it, but they can't because that kind of damage hurts and it lasts. No matter how famous you are, no matter you know how many albums you make, you're still going to be thinking about your friend. I mean, is this, is this a is this a closure album? I think so. Like we're 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 moving yeah. on. We're uh, you know we're over it now. Yeah, yeah. I think Lost for Words. Uh, when you get to that point. I think that's Gilmore saying, yeah, I know you don't like our shit. I know to Waters. I know you don't like this, but like we did this, including our brother Sid, and we're just going to keep on going. I mean, he's talking about the Ivy growing over the door and that's, he used to visit Sid Barrett. Like I think it was weekly for a long time. And you know, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about, don't forget where we're from. And, and I don't necessarily think you have, but like, what, what the fuck do, what, what do I do? You don't want to talk to me. You don't, you know, you don't want to reconcile. You don't want to be decent. So we're, we're going to just keep on going on. Gilmore put a lot of effort into trying to help Sid after they booted him from the band, produced a bunch of his music. Mm-hmm. Some of it's interesting. and Yep. More so than anybody yeah, else. There's a lot of guilt there. I think that the band carried for and, a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, and and that doesn't show up in any place more. Um, I, I think that, and this is a, a fitting career capper than High Hopes. I want to play a little bit of this right now. It's a, it's again, it's an eight-minute song, but it's gorgeous, and it's one of the best things Pink Floyd ever made, uh, with or without Roger Waters. And uh, here's a little bit of it. desire and ambition There's a hunger still unsatisfied Our weary eyes still stray to the horizon Go down this road we've been so many times The grass was green and Oh 
grass was greener, the light was brighter, with friends surrounding me. Come on. It's like you're on your funeral, or you know, you're on your uh, deathbed. Yeah. 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 And and as far as they knew, this was the end of Pink Floyd. Um, we we know that they uh, reunited at Live Eight a few years later with Roger Waters. They actually did the thing. Um, and I remember being uh, in Hampton, Virginia, waiting. I, I was there for, I think it was, no, it was 4th of July. That was when that happened. And, and uh, it was just a bunch of hippies. And everybody was so excited, uh, even though um, they trashed this album a lot, <laughs> that, that they were playing together. But that that kind of, uh, I guess, self-awareness to end what they thought was the last album they would ever do is uh is mighty and it's what made it's what made pink floyd pink floyd i think was it gilmore that knew it was the last one or the whole band because i think you had you know you've got i think Gil- nick i think gilmore was the decider yeah sure. well you, you know you can't have nick mason and rick wright decide to go for his pink floyd i don't think <laughs> right Although well, Nick right, Mason's they, doing a pretty good job of it, apparently I'm. I'm he's playing. He's playing here in Milwaukee soon. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go see yeah. him at uh, Warner Theater with his uh, saucer full of secrets operation. Yep. yep, yep, and and because this music has moved into that sphere, it's like where it is just part of the universe, and it's like who? It's almost. It's almost like who gives a fuck who plays it as long as they play it well. Yeah, I, I also uh, think um, you know without getting too far back into the business side things, they still had a, uh, a record company obligation with this that was satisfied once the uh, album was out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There were some, there were various threats of litigation going on between uh, Waters and the rest mm-hmm. of the band. So that was probably a pretty good indication that it was time to hang it up at that point. Was that still going on for this album? I mean, I know it was really nasty in the mid eighties and around. Yeah. Them. I, I, you know, I, and I, I was just reading back on a few things earlier today. So hopefully, you know, this is actually accurate since I was digging up old articles, but there were basically, Basically, there was an interview, I think, that Waters gave at one point where he said that basically they'd come back and said, we want to do Pink Floyd again. He said no. Uh, Then the band came back with their lawyers, the rest of the band, and said, look, uh, we need to record as Pink Floyd because the record company is saying we owe them a Pink Floyd album. If you won't do it, um, then we're going to sue you because they're going to stop paying us royalties on the other albums. So yeah, and then the legal stuff got really nasty when Roger Sue and yeah. saying, you know, hey, that's my pig you're using in concert, or right. <laughs> it's really not what you want to think about when you're just listening to a cool album, but unfortunately, that's the way it went. Saw them chapel down in Chapel Hill, and when they opened with Astronomy Domine, and then eventually in the set that pig flew out. It was. Um, I'm not going to say Waters doesn't have a right to that, you know, conceptually, but but I, I do think at some point, uh, brother, you got to let it go and understand that you not just were part of the culture, but you permanently and, and for the better change the culture. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand necessarily Pink Floyd music in the same way that I did when I was younger. Now I, I sort of look at it as part of this fabric of, of the things that we strive for. You see people say bands sound like sound Floyd like, or uh, although nobody says anybody sounds like Gilmore, 
So there is that. Well, I mean, yeah. Pink Floyd might be second only to the Grateful Dead insofar as, you know, tribute bands that are out there, you know, touring For on sure. the Pink Floyd sound. And um, it's it's not an easy sound to really nail, just like the Grateful Dead is not an easy sound to nail. I, and this is weird. I know personally four people who make their living and a good living being in a Pink, Pink Floyd tribute band. Like, that's that's crazy, right? But, and but that's, that's not, what that's I'm not saying even that, counting the laser light shows at the planetarium. No, too. no, no, it's not. It's not. So, so if you had the, uh, the man on the street view of this, guys, if you had to sell this to somebody as to why, if they've been a fan of Pink Floyd, they really need to just sort of embrace this and, uh, and come to the uh, celebrate their entire catalog. Like, what's your pitch going to be? I mean, there, there, this is this is absolutely a, a Pink Floyd album. It sounds, it's got that classic Pink Floyd sound. Um, you know, it's the first album in I don't know how long where you we have Rick Wright taking a lead vocal on the yep. uh, wearing the inside for, out, for which since, sounds for, like it could come right off of Obscured by Clouds, which is really yep. nice. Not, it's not the greatest song in the world, but like. You know, I, I'm a I'm a monster Floyd fan. I, you know, always have been ever since I was 14, yeah. which is there's something weird about 14 and Pink Floyd, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, for me, again, it was really thrilling to hear this album when it came out because it was like, yes, this is the sound yeah. I've been looking for. And it's so great to hear a new album by that band that just has that sound, even if they maybe are intentionally trying to reach back to, uh, you know, some of the, the seventies golden albums, I'd say, you know, take it back and coming back to life are kind of nods to momentary lapse of reason. So they didn't leave, they didn't leave that out album out in so far as sort of, you know, the, the things that they kind of touched on. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't think you can ignore it. I understand why it wouldn't necessarily be a Floyd fan's favorite album. Uh, Do you think you can be a Floyd fan and not celebrate this album? Oh, sure. I mean, I, or do you think you should? Let me rephrase that. Do you think you should be a Floyd fan? I'm not going to judge people for how they come to it. You know, that there are, there are folks who are huge fans of waters era Floyd who, can't stand going back and listening to the early Barrett stuff because it's too psychedelic and, you know, doesn't come together quite as well as, as the waters stuff they've been, when you've been around for this long and have been through so many different iterations, I think it's perfectly fine to say Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of a particular era of Floyd because there are enough differences to make that, uh, to make that decision on. Cool. So, so, so what's your pitch, Paul? Is that it? Honestly, I, I'm not going to make much of a pitch. If it's, if it's somebody who knows Floyd and has already listened to this album and has decided that they don't like it, you're not going to change their mind by trying to convince them. Just say, all right, you do you. I'm going to put on my headphones and listen to Division Bell. Like, okay. But, I, but I, if somebody was coming to it fresh, I would definitely pitch it to them uh, in the way that we have here. Just say, look, it's, you know, if you like the sound, of other Pink Floyd albums and you haven't heard this mm-hmm. before, then come to it with an open mind and uh, tell me what you think. I, I, I'm actually going to go with, um, you know, the one thing we often forget about our heroes and, and I think we, re- I, th- I think it does take a little bit of age 
realize this is that they're just people. Uh, you know, Gilmore has has gone on to to put out what could have easily have been a Floyd album uh, on an island, uh, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. And you 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 have to consider like what your devotion to a certain uh, brand, as it were, now or icon is. And in this case, I think you need to consider that. Yeah, Roger Waters isn't in this. If that's your reason for hating on it, or like it sounds a little eighties, if that's your reason for hating on it, but they were a product, uh, and they always were a product of their times. They just happened to be more often than not better at the other people who were doing it. And and what you have is is now a picture of these remarkable musicians just throughout their career. That's rare. I I don't know many bands that like at least like did competent work from start to finish. Like there's no point you put, put point in a Pink Floyd album and be like, yeah, that's absolute trash. Unlike Foxygen. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but, but my point is, is, is that if you uh, enjoy Pink Floyd and I've, have put off or held this at bay, like do yourself a favor and like really, really love the band. Warts and all. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the opinion that Floyd has not put out a a bad album. I I think one of the, you know, they've, they're just a band that's put out, you know, three or five, absolutely pristine spectacular albums and when you compare you know some of the their work to that um i think it's easier to to downplay some of this work um you know i think that most of the hate for this album is is probably from waters partisans (laughs) um you know to that though i'd point out that you know i think waters best solo album is his most recent uh yeah and he 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 needed to you know hire uh nigel godrich and and a whole cast of amazing musicians to be able to kind of recreate that classic floyd sound yep, that for him. phenomenal too um so- yeah no i'd agree with all of that mm-hmm. yeah so um division bell is 25 guys we are old as fuck and uh Heck yeah, we are. Thanks, for ha- thanks thanks for hanging out and uh we'll, <laughs> we'll hang out soon so so go out and listen to it people the division bell don't be afraid of it and then uh, dip back into uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason and Delicate Sound of Thunder. Don't listen to Pulse because it sucks. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a few short minutes. Floyd's Division Bell is 25 years old, if you can believe that, uh, thanks to 
Paul and Drew for hanging out and talking about that and with the magic of the internets. Uh, the music you're hearing underneath my voice right now is the Grammy Award-winning track Maroon from that. So uh, somebody loved this album, kids. I love this album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time, truth be told. I hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we enjoyed having it. And if you haven't figured it out by now, what we're all about here is the discussion of music over necessarily being correct. Yeah, we are all critics uh, to varying degrees. But if, if we're doing this thing correctly, then these discussions uh, more serve to hip you to the joy that we feel every time we drop the needle on something. And maybe, maybe that makes you feel some joy, too. I hope so. Otherwise, this would kind of be pointless. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be discussing new music from Bruce Hornsby. Uh, can't tell you how excited I am about that. And a new band, uh, or a new band to me, called Drug Dealer, that I just heard uh, their album Raw Honey. It's amazing for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, one of which is that it sounds like the 70s. So we got that and a whole bunch more groovy things in the store. So stay tuned, and we will see you in a few short days. Until then, uh, get some good New Year's, kids, because life is too short to listen to bad music. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.